Well, hello there. How are we? Welcome back to Here's Looking at You Film, a podcast for the vintage cinephile with modern sensibilities. I'm Nikki, and I got I have a lot of explaining to do, I guess. Um, today is a very special day um, for me. Um, on a yearly basis, every year, I watch the same movie on April 20th. Um, and it's not a Cheech and Chong film. It's not Pineapple Express. It's not Half-Baked. It's not How High. Um, one of my favorite musicians and someone who I often refer to as the love of my life, um, unfortunately passed away on uh, April 20th, uh, April 21st. 2016. And uh, so every year on April 20th, I choose to celebrate his life by watching one of my favorite films of all time. So today, in fact, is April 20th. And so I am recording this video in the wee hours of the AM. Um, this is uh, going to be a whiskey and uh, because of the special day that it is a weed ski watch Wednesday. So um, first, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the film, of course, and then I'm going to watch and talk. Now, we both know, or maybe you don't know, um, Prince. Paisley Park, their estate, they do not play about audio. So I will not be playing any of the music or any of the audio from this film because I don't want any smoke from Paisley. Um, I want to stay in their good graces. They have no idea who I am. But in case they do, I do want to stay in their good graces. So I may be singing a couple songs or saying some lyrics, but you will not be hearing NT audios on this episode, but it's still going to be a very fun watch. If you have not watched this movie, um, we're going to talk about it. We're going we're gonna to get into it. So um, without further ado, I have not said the name of this film yet, but today we will be talking about Prince's 1984 American rock musical drama romance comedy, <laughs> Purple Rain. So after the film, I'll give you my little personal print story um, so that we can get to talking about the film as quickly as possible. But um, as I mentioned, Purple Rain came out in June of 1984. It is a rock drama musical. Um, basically, what happened was uh, Prince had, you know, done a couple albums at this point um, that had done, you know, well, and he wanted to be in a movie. And nobody wanted to produce the movie. No um, company wanted to put him in a film. So he went to his record company and basically said, I want to put out a film. He went to Warner Brothers. And so they found somebody to write the film. And um, uh, the guy, uh, William Blinn, um, he had worked on Fame. And so they brought him in to work on the script. And originally the script was a little darker, um, not too much darker, but a little bit. Um, but they lightened it up a little bit because um, originally also Vanity, um, who was the lead singer of Vanity Six, was supposed to play the lead actress in this film. But she left Vanity Six before they could start filming. Um, so uh, they did try to get um, Jennifer Beals from um, Flashdance um, for the role. 
but they weren't able to get her because she was in college and she wanted to stay in college. Um, so they eventually found uh, Apollonia Cotero and she ended up playing the lead actress in this film. Um, allegedly also, um, when um, the studio execs met with Warner Brothers the first time, um, or when they met with um, the his manager, um, Robert Cavallo, who was the producer of this film, um, they asked him if they could get John Travolta to play the lead role in this instead. So I want you to imagine Purple Rain with John Travolta instead of Prince. And Prince was the one who had the idea to do this. But of course, you know, we got the film that we got today. Um, the... Uh, filming all took place in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, it was over the course of about a month and a half. Um, and of course, very famously, um, the First Avenue nightclub was the place where a lot of the filming took place. Um, so I always, people refer to this like as a, you know, a musical drama or a musical of sorts, but um, it's not a musical the way that, you know, most people think of musicals. People don't burst out into song in the middle of like conversation. The musical portion is really just a concert. Um, so a lot of these people who were there at the First Avenue nightclub and were extras basically were, they got to watch a Prince concert. Um, they got to watch him perform all of these songs live and got to watch extended versions of these performances because they needed a lot of footage um, to kind of splice together to make everything look exciting. So a lot of these songs that we get, you know, two or three, two and a half, three, three and a half minute versions of, they were getting to see 10, 12 minute versions of these songs because they were watching it live, which is like really cool because if y'all don't know prince is a before you know beyonce um i mean actually before michael jackson really there was prince um prince started performing in you know the 70s um he michael and madonna are all the same age i always can i always think of that and it blows my mind that prince michael jackson and madonna all the same age. Um, but um, I can't imagine what it would have been like to just be there and watch this man literally perform new music that he had come up with for this film specifically um, because he, you know, wanted a chance to be in films. Now, after this, after Purple Rain, uh, he did go on to do a couple other films, including uh, what they call like the sequel, which is Graffiti Bridge not I you let me tell you I love Prince the graffiti bridge is not one of my favorites I like under the cherry moon a little bit better than graffiti bridge but purple rain is was and always will be my absolute literal favorite movie of all time like I watch it every year and every time I watch it I still cry every time I watch it I still laugh at the dumbest parts um but uh, if you're not familiar with the plot of the movie, I know a lot of people are familiar with the songs and are familiar with the visual of Prince on the um, the motorcycle and the doves. And, you know, you might have seen some music videos, but maybe you haven't seen this film. You don't exactly know what it's about. 
it is the weirdest, most convoluted, complicated plot. But it, even though the film is kind of dark, it doesn't feel dark. It feels kind of campy. Um, but I'm getting into talking about like afterthoughts before I even talk about the movie because it is one of my favorite films. So since this is a whiskey and weed ski watch Wednesday, uh, I am going to do some quick preparations and I will be right back. So for today's setup, um, I have something of the Purple Persuasion as well as um, a glass of Elijah Craig um, because it is a Whiskey Watch Wednesday. Um, so um, we'll get into the cast list and then we will, of course, get into our film. So we have, um, of course, Prince playing the kid. Um, I am going to try to resist the urge to call him Prince. Because, I mean, it's Prince. Prince, he has an aesthetic and he has the same aesthetic in the film. He's not, he's, I mean, he's, I'm sure he's playing a role that's not him, but also it feels like it's just him. So I will resist the urge to call him Prince because he is the kid. But Prince plays the kid. Apollonia Katero plays Apollonia. Morris Day plays Morris Day. Um... Olga Carlados plays Prince's mother, um, and Clarence uh, Clarence Williams III plays his dad, um, aka Francis L. Um, so his dad, Clarence Williams, the guy who plays his dad, was in the Mod Squad. Um, he also was in some like later movies like Tales from the Hood and Reindeer Games, but he was really well known for playing Link um, in the Mod Squad. So that's a thing so um jerome bentley play benton plays jerome uh we will get into morris day and jerome as we talk about the film billy sparks plays billy jill jones plays jill des plays des dickerson plays des wendy melvoin plays wendy lisa coleman is lisa the revolution is the revolution the time is the time and Apollonia 6 is Apollonia 6. So I mentioned that originally Prince wanted Vanity to be the lead role. She left Vanity 6, so a new band was formed with Apollonia in the front, Apollonia 6. Um, the band in the film is The Revolution. Uh, he worked with The Revolution from 1979 to 1986 after Parade came out. The Revolution is, of course, Prince, Des Dickerson, Andre Simone, Bobby Z, Gail Chapman, and Matt Fink. Um, he also had Wendy and Lisa. Wendy and Lisa came into the group a little bit later. Um, and Wendy and Lisa actually went on to do their own um, act with each other. And they still, I think, perform with each other to this day as Wendy and Lisa. Um, and uh, The Time, it would be Morris Day's band. Um, and that is The Time. So um, as you can see, a lot of the people in this film, most of the people in this film keep their regular names. Prince is really one of the only ones that changes his name to the kid. And it's not even like his name is changed. It's just that everybody calls him the kid, which obviously is a nickname. And his name could be Prince. But we will refer to him as the kid. We are ready to start 
our film. So now that we have our players, first of all, we will start our Whiskey Wednesday with a an obligatory cheers. Cheers. Whew. So our film starts with the Warner Brothers logo. A voiceover says, ladies and gentlemen, the revolution. And we hear the voice of the kid for the first time. Dearly beloved, we have gathered here today. Now I told you I'm not going to be doing too much because I don't know how much I'm going to get in trouble for because Paisley don't play about their thing. But he says to get through this thing called life, electric word life. It means forever. And that's a mighty long time. But I'm here to tell you there's something else. The afterworld. And if you've ever heard Let's Go Crazy, you got to, okay, please, for the for everything, go listen to the soundtrack if you haven't listened to it. It's a really good soundtrack. Um, but when the organ comes in right after he says the afterworld, it, Purple Rain comes across the screen in that like very jagged font, um, ombre sort of purple, but not like full ombre, very like um, subtle ombre. Um, it's, it's such an iconic moment. I went and saw this movie in theaters in like 2012 with like a group of people. And I remember when he says the afterworld and that thing flashed across the screen, I still get goosebumps thinking about like people were cheering. It was like watching and I, it was like seeing Prince in concert. Just watching this movie every time is like seeing Prince in concert. You are in First Avenue. You are in this crowd. And they give you flashes of what the crowd looks like. These like people from the 80s who are giving 80s, the glitter, the color, the kind of like weird hair, but like fashionable, cool 80s style. And the the crowd is going wild at this point. And Prince, is the kid, is standing there. No light really coming from the front. All light coming from the back. The, like, fog of the lights is around him, so he almost looks like ethereal, like an angel. But he's got on, like, this, like, tight, white, sort of frilly, you know, the print shirt, the frilly shirt. He's got on, like, it's like a vest over the top. It might all be one piece. He's, he's so fashionable, y'all. Oh my gosh. I want some of these outfits so bad. I want most of these outfits so bad. Um, but he's got that thing on. He's got some like tight pants on and he's got on the boots and he's playing his guitar. He's got on the eyeliner. He's got the curly hair. He's giving, he's giving, he's giving the kid, you know? So I'm here to tell you there's something else, the afterworld, a world of never-ending happiness. You can always see the sun day or night. And so now we're getting a performance from the revolution while we're getting introduced to the other characters in this film. So let's talk about some of these other characters. So let's start with our girl Apollonia. She's ridden into town from who knows where, a small town. She's come to Minneapolis, Minnesota to get her big break. So I can't imagine what kind of small town she is from. But she has come to this small town. She's ridden up in a cab to um, First uh, Avenue uh, over by the club. And uh, she sees that the price is like $35. 
And this is back in, you know, 1984. Now, I know, you know, inflation ain't that much. But $35 in 1984 for a cab is probably about $80 now, $90. So, of course, she runs. Um, you know, he's trying to catch her. He, She manages to evade him, even in a pair of heels and a corset. Um, but sis uh, evades him ends up finding a hotel. Now, she got money, so she could have somewhere to stay, but that cab ride was a little bit hefty. So she goes into the, the little motel or the little boarding house or whatever it is. I mean, it ain't like beautiful conditions, but she just needs somewhere to stay because she's trying to get her big break. So she decided to stay there, but she need to hurry up and get ready so she can go to the club because she trying to meet somebody there so that she can get on. Sis is not playing around. Like she's like day one, somebody finna give me some money. Somebody finna hire me to do something. Now, meanwhile, Morris and Jerome are getting ready. Now, if you're not familiar with Morris and Jerome, I always um feel I always think of Morris and Jerome like Jay and Silent Bob. Jerome talks, don't worry. But um it's like he only really interacts with Morris and they have sort of like a silly sort of um like Jerome is Morris's assistant but in a in a very like bestie kind of way. Like he's his side he's literally his sidekick. So Morris is getting ready to go to the club for the night because he is performing, you know, in his band the time. He got his little head scarf on protecting his edges while he ironing. He gets his clothes on and he runs down the stairs in this very particular sideways way that I do sometimes because I love this movie so much and I think it's so funny. So he runs down the stairs sort of sideways right into the car. Jerome closes up the car for him, gets him on his way. Meanwhile, now we are watching this performance of Prince perform, but we also get to see in this montage footage Prince, you know, riding up to the club on his motorcycle. Um, he's in the back room putting on his little eyeliner, getting his hair looking swaggy. Wendy, Lisa, all the rest of the revolution is in the back, chilling with him, waiting, waiting to go on. Cause, you know, the kid is the kid. He's the one that everybody know. Everybody else is kind of just waiting to see what the kid gonna do. So um, that's basically our main um, people that we are dealing with for this film. There's a couple other side players that we'll talk about, but we get to kind of just see how they visualize First Avenue. Um, Apollonia visualizes it as this like beacon of hope. Um, the kid thinks that this is like his, basically this place is owed to him. Like he owns the place. And Morris Day, he's coming in like a businessman. He's coming in going to work, work. So Morris gets to the club and he's watching the kid perform and he's like, we don't kill him. Like not like literally, but him and the kid have this rivalry. The time and the revolution have this rivalry where they both want to be better than each other. Um, and there at this point doesn't seem to be a reason for there to be a rivalry, except for that they both light skin and they don't like each other and they got just light skin hate for each other. I don't know. <laughs> but the uh, Morris Day and the kid just do not get on. Meanwhile, Apollonia shows up to the club and comes to the door and the dude, the bouncer at the door is like, what do you want? And she's like, I'm here to see the manager. 
I got an appointment with the manager and he was like, don't nobody have appointments with the manager. But then he has to go stop a fight. So she sticks her foot in the door and then comes in. Now I'm trying to figure out why at a club, because it seems like she's just in the club. She doesn't like have to, it's not like a side entrance or a back door. She's just in the club. So I don't know why she had to ask, have a reason to come into the club, but she came in and she now she's walking around she ends up bumping into one of the waitresses and the waitress is like what are you stupid or something so okay prince made everybody take acting classes for this movie so they did their best so the girl is like what are you stupid and avalonia is like um I'm here to see the, I need to speak to the manager I'm a really good singer and dancer I think he could use me and then the girl goes well, do you have any experience? And Abalone goes, yeah. And she goes, come with me. It's like they have this like irritated conversation with each other where they both, like, it's like the, the waitress doesn't want to take her to the manager. And she really doesn't have to take her to the manager, but she still does. And then like Apollonia has this like, sort of like, yeah, I can sing and dance. But also like, girl, you literally don't know anybody here. You don't have any right to be irritated by anything. But while she's walking with her to go see the manager, she happens to look up. She sees the kid on stage. And of course, he's giving it his all performing. And she gets the googly eyes. She, she gets the, oh, that's Prince eyes. And she's looking like, oh. Like, probably the way that we would all look if we saw Prince standing up on stage strumming a guitar in the way that he strums a guitar. We would all look up and say, oh, hands. Let me get some of those. So, Apollonia gives her information to the waitress, but she says she don't have no phone. So, now she just got to come back. So, at this point, why did she even give her information if she has to come back anyway and doesn't have a phone? Anyway, so now the time is about to perform. When Morris is going up on stage, he looks at uh, the kid and says, why don't you stay, you know, see how it's done. Now, everybody just cheered very loudly for the revolution when they finished their performance. Like, everybody is clearly like, yes, they did a good job. Morris goes up and says, watch how it's done, as if he gave a bad performance. The announcer, every time he announces the time, he announces it in this very particular way. He goes... Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the time. <laughs> like, he is not excited about it at all. It's so fun. But it's like, I know he's just giving. But when he says the revolution, like, he says it like he's excited to say. But, I mean, I guess you can't. I mean, you could say the revolution. You know, you could say that. But he says it like he's excited. But the time, he's like, the time. <laughs> Like he does, but you know, Morris goes up there and he starts doing his thing. He he starts Jungle Love. So Morris is on stage doing Jungle Love, which if you don't know Jungle Love, you should listen to that song too. It's a bop. <laughs> he comes out. Wah! Ah, I've been watching you, you know. So. Meanwhile, okay, so the kid got off stage, and I told you how Apollonia was looking at the kid. Morris Day gets up on stage, and she giving Morris the eyes, too. Like, she want Morris. 
So she's standing up there looking at Morris like, oh, okay, I see him. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, Prince come, uh, the kid come out the side and he sees her. She looks over and sees him. And he goes, and then he sees um, the card in old girl, the waitress's hand. Now, the waitress clearly got a little crush on the kid. So she looking like, oh, my God. Now he want to get with her. Like, ugh. So he goes and stands behind Apollonia and just kind of, like, looks at her. He's, like, biting his lip. He's giving eyes. And he has on these big, round glasses that look like um, motorcycle mirrors um uh mirrors you know um they're like very round the way that motorcycle mirror mirrors are round you know i think you know what i mean but his glasses are just like that and so he's standing behind her and she obviously can feel him behind her and she's like like sort of like nervous like trying to figure out what to do and Morris is, of course, up there performing. Somebody bring me a mirror. Jerome brings him out a mirror so he can do his little jungle love dance and comb his hair while he's... It's a Morris thing. It's a Morris and Jerome thing. She finally squeaks out, I really liked your performance, too. And when she turns around to talk to him, he gone. The kid is gone. He, Batman just disappears. And she, so now she's like, oh, now she's all in her feelings because these two little light-skinned men just stole her heart on the same night. <laughs> so the kid done had a good night at the club. He come home because he still lived with his parents. He comes home and he hears his dad yelling at his mom. And this obviously happens very often. Um, he can hear his dad is like, you come home when I say you come home, keep this house clean. So the kid comes running in and he tries to pull his dad off and he goes, please, dad, she's heard, he's heard, she's heard you. And the mom goes, he's crazy. She says that like five times. I mean, I think she only says it like twice, but I, it's like literally the only lines I remember from his mom is he's crazy. <laughs> but, um, so he tries to pull his dad off. Dad reaches back and slaps him across the face and literally slaps him into the next room. And uh, that's how that scene ends. So obviously this is a nightly thing. They, be, they get into it, his parents, and um, he has to try to stop it. He can hear the abuse. Now he lives in like a little basement, the little basement area of the house. And I guess his parents live upstairs or he lives in like, maybe it's not the basement because... The basement has some stuff. Maybe it's like a little side quarters or something. But he has a separate entrance that he can come into. Um, it's like the like the like the garage rec room kind of area in the house. Um, so he doesn't really interact with his parents all that often. He usually stays in his own area, but they tend to fight a lot. So the kid got so much stuff going on that he don't really care about like talking to the band, the people at the club about like business and business. Because he just be trying to make his little music and live his little life. Well, Morris is continuously trying to get the kid kicked out of the club. So he's talking to the owner, Billy. And he was like, yo, like, dude, he make music that don't nobody really want to hear. Even though it's weird because, like, obviously, like, the whole soundtrack of Purple Rain bops. So it's weird hearing him be like, he makes music that nobody relates to and nobody wants to hear it. And it's like everybody's vibing though but okay I get it 
Um, but he's like, you know, uh, and, you know, he's doing just like his dad, Francis L and his dad messed up his mom's career. So they basically talking about his whole little family history, just talk, walking down the street. But so they're saying like the kid don't take nothing seriously. So Morris is like, you know, what if we could get somebody else in there? And Billy's like, yo, if we could get something commercial, you know, something that'll work every night. And Morris is like, like a girl group. <laughs> and Billy's like, yeah, yeah, we could do something like, you know, you know, sexy, but not dirty. Cause you know, I got enough problems. So Morris is like, yo, if I can get a girl group together, uh, is the kid out. Meanwhile, the kid is at the club. He done came late. He like, where's everybody at? And the old girl that the, the waitress from the beginning, she like, you know, they was looking for you. You wasn't here. And he was like, okay, well, I guess I'll just come back later. I don't care. So she's like, oh, well, before you leave, let me give you this tape. What's the tape? Wendy and Lisa made this song, and I really liked it. And he was like, well, why didn't you just give it to me? Well, I wanted to hear it. He was like, she was like, I wanted to listen to it. And then they just told me to give it to you after I finished. So he's like, oh, okay, well, okay, cool. So he takes the tape. So now Morris is getting his girl group together. He got two of the girls, and they not vocalists, you know, but they doing the little dance routine. They practicing sex shooter. And they apparently not getting the steps the way Morris want them. And so he like, cut, cut. He, you're you going to make my boys look bad. Like, what are you doing? And they like, well, can we come up with our own dance moves? And he was like, we tried that, remember? He said, now look, are your shoes on too tight? I let's get some action. I want to see some asses wiggling. I want some perfection. Aha! Uh -huh. And then he do his little Morris Day laugh. Aha! Uh -huh. Um, they start the music again, and he like, I think I'm gonna need a drink. So Morris, you know, he trying to get his little thing together, trying to um get the girl group so he can get the kid kicked out. Um, he's really focused on business but business specifically so he can fuck with the kids so later on morris and jerome are talking and they like well the two little girls we got is okay but we need something a little more exciting so they apparently they done seen apollonia and they want to try to get her but morris is like i want her to come to me because i'm the star in this town so i'm not going to her well while they trying to talk about what they're gonna do this girl hops out Starts yelling at Morris about how she waited up all night for him and how could he do this to her or whatever. So he he don't even really, he look at her while she's yelling and then he look at Jerome. Jerome straight up pick this girl up and take her in the alley and toss her into a trash can. And then Morris goes, such nastiness. <laughs> ah! Morris is one of the worst people, but he is the worst in the funniest way. Like he's one of the, I think he is sincerely one of the funniest movie villains I've ever seen. <laughs> um, but that's how he, uh, he is a ladies man, but it is clear that like, he don't really care about these girls. He don't care about these hoes. So Apollonia is looking at something through a window in like a, like a mall area. And this is like later at night, a totally different scene. Now I'm trying, I'm gonna try to talk you through this scene because this conversation makes no sense to me. And every time I watch it, I'm like, okay. So he, um, Prince walks up behind, the kid walks up behind her 
and says, give me that there on your boot. Cause she's got this like bracelet on her boot. She takes the bracelet off, gives it to him. And then he just walks off. So then she's like, hey, give that back. And he was like, um, who gave that to you? And she was like, a person. And he was like, male or female? And she goes, huh? And he says, you're lying. I can tell just by your reaction you're lying. So you gave it to me. It's not yours anymore. And then he just walks away and looks at a storefront window with a guitar in it. And she looks at him. She has like the weirdest looks on her face. I don't think she knows how to express like feelings um, in like movie form. You know how like when good actors know how to express feelings in very subtle ways, but in a way where you know exactly what the feeling is. Her looks are very just like she doesn't she's she just always looks like. I don't know what to do with you. Like, that's always the general look. I don't know what to do with you. And so she kind of gives him that look, walks over, asks him if he sees something he likes. And she, and then he just says, let's go. And they leave. I have no, um, it doesn't seem like they had had any interaction before that. Uh, maybe they did. Maybe this was a date. But it seemed like he just kind of walked up behind her, asked her for her bracelet, and then told her that it wasn't hers anymore. And then they went for a ride on their bike, on his bike. So they played Take Me With You is playing in the background. And they go on this like long country ride out into the country, out to a lake. And I think if you know anything about Purple Rain, you know where this is going. So there's a beautiful ride and she's obviously like all enamored with her new little bow. So we get this riding sequence where they ride out into the country and Take Me With You plays in the background. Um, They're on his purple bike, um, both with full leather outfits on. Very cute 80s leather, not like, it's very biker chic. You know, you ride out and they stop by a lake. And you probably know if you are familiar with this film and or, you know, Dave Chappelle or any of the jokes about this film, you probably know where I'm going with this. But they get over by a lake. So he asked her where she's from. She says she's from New Orleans, which always makes me laugh because she has the least New Orleans voice I've ever heard in my life. And also, she says she's from New Orleans, but she's trying to get famous. And New Orleans is like a very famous place for like music. And so anyway, she's gone, come from New Orleans to Minnesota, Minneapolis to get famous. And he's when he's like, oh, you're a singer? She's like, yeah, it's really like all I dream about. And he's kind of like, oh. So then she's like, will you help me? And he's like, nope. And so she's like, he's like, want to know why? And she's like, nope. Because, you know, obviously she's irritated, but he says, oh, you wouldn't pass the initiation. You got to purify yourself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. And she's like, what? You got to purify yourself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. That's the initiation. You know, I don't make the rules. That's just what you got to do. So girl takes her clothes off, takes the, the leather jacket off, the leather pants off, everything except for her drawers. She ain't got no bra on or nothing. And she goes, woo, goes running into the water. And right before she goes running in the water, first she walks towards him a little bit, like she's about to like walk over and maybe seduce him or something. And But then she runs to the water and he's like, hey, wait, no. Jumps in. And then he goes, that ain't Lake Minnetonka. And she's like, oh my gosh. And he leaves. He literally says, that ain't Lake Minnetonka. Goes to his bike. 
and drives off. And she's like, what are you doing? Like, why would you do this to me? I can't believe this. Now, old girl is out by the lake. She is completely wet, trying to put back on leather clothes in the leaves. She is <laughs> up, like, I mean, obviously she's upset. Because she, you know, she thought she was doing a little sexy little Lake Minnetonka thing. And then he talking about this ain't Lake Minnetonka. She rides off. She out here trying to put her leather back on, on her wet body. She ain't got no towel and nothing to dry off. She looks like a fucking idiot. He ends up coming back. And so then she's like, he comes back and she looks happy. She's giving like, oh, I'm mad. But also like, I'm secretly happy that he came back for me. Do you know, I would have cussed that man out to high heaven there would have been no oh you're so funny no nigga are you kidding me you just left me out here i'm wet i'm by myself i was pretty much naked you don't know who's out here you don't know who could come attack me and you just gonna leave me and ride off on your loud ass bike for real so she comes back he comes back anyway so she then she's trying to get on the bike and he keep pulling off a little bit and he keep pulling off a little bit so she can't get on the bike and so finally she creeps up gets on the bike and like holds on his waist and he looks back at her and goes, don't get my seat all wet. Are you kidding me? First of all, don't read me because yes, you are sexy and yes, I'm feeling away. But also, do you know you just left me out here? Are you now you trying to be cutesy about this shit? But he goes, don't get my seat all wet. And then she kisses him. She gives him a little, a little quick kiss. And he's like, gives a little smile or whatever. And then they ride off. This is supposed to be a cute interaction. Every time I see this, it makes me so mad. And I know, like, people talk about it all the time. It's like an ongoing joke. Purify yourself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. You know, whatever. But this man literally... Because she took... Obviously, she took off all of her clothes. Clearly, you're at a lake. This girl is not from here. Obviously, she's going to think this is Lake Minnetonka. Otherwise, why would you bring this up? No, it, this part irritates me, but like, obviously it's like a classic part. So they ride back to town just deeply in love now after this weird, sordid interaction, these weird coupled interactions, whatever, ride back, super in love. Now, Morris and Jerome are trying to plot on how they're going to get to Apollonia, so Morris is like, all right, we got to come up with a password for when she comes in. So when she come in, you're going to say what? Jerome is like, okay. This is the classic who's on third. Um, He's like, all right, well, what you going to say? What? Yeah, exactly. What you going to say? I'm going to say what? That's what I'm asking you. Hold on, hold on. So we in the club. We in the club. And she walks in, she walks in, and I got a couple little sexies on my, on standby, you know, because that's what I do. And so you see her, I see her, and then you say what? Okay. No. The password is okay? They're fine by me. No. What's the password? What's the password? That's the password. That's the password? What? This is, <laughs> this goes on for probably about probably about two minutes, but it's, it's a, it's classic Jerome and Morris Day banter. 
Um, it's one of the it's one of the funniest funny things about this movie is whenever Morris Day and Jerome interact with other people, it always seems to kind of be comedy. There's only one moment that's kind of like, oh, but most of the time, if they're on screen, it's funny. So now we get to the other drama in the film. So um, Wendy and Lisa are like, hey, did you hear the song we wrote? The kid does not want to do anybody's music, but the music he writes. And Wendy's like, yo, you full of shit. Like, we're not trying to do anything to harm you. We just want to, like, be a band, like, the way that we were before. Um, and he's, like, it's talking with a puppet. He's, like, really being an asshole. And they were just like, yo, I'm really tired of this shit. And so they end up leaving the room. And Prince looks at the rest of the band. Um, uh, Brown Mark. Dr. Fink, Bobby Z looks around and he's like, y'all tired of this shit too? Dr. Fink is like, God got her periods reversed. She's only nice for like every three, for like three days and only lasts about a weekend. Like, <laughs> real bullshit. So then, you know, and, uh, but then um, when Bobby Z gets ready to leave, he was like, but we're still a band, right? And obviously like, now the kid is sitting there thinking like, Damn, maybe I am an asshole. And he goes, yeah, I don't know. Life's a bitch. But he does it with this puppet. He has this, like, hand puppet. And he can do, like, ventriloquism because Prince is good at everything. So <laughs> he's, like, talking with his puppet. And he goes, yeah, man, I don't know. Life's a bitch. Meanwhile, Jerome walks up to Morris out there and says, what? So, you know, they have a little confusing moment because Morris has no idea what the fuck is going on. But it's Apollonia. She here. Jerome goes up and introduces Morris to Apollonia. And he sits down and has a real funny interaction with her where he ends up saying, I'm not one to put my cards on the table like this, but I'm going to make you love me. Now, she's giggling at him or whatever, sitting there with him. And, uh... Meanwhile, the revolution comes out and they start to perform the beautiful ones. Let me backtrack. Before they come out, Prince, the kid, is in the dressing room and he decides he's going to put on the little tape that Wendy and Lisa made and listen to it. It's just labeled slow groove um, or slow jam. And it, he puts on the track and it's a little track that go do, 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 do. So that probably sounds a little familiar, maybe, possibly, but we'll see. Anyway, the revolution comes on and they start to perform the beautiful ones. Well, the beautiful ones is a very beautiful song where eventually um, Prince says, do you want him or do you want me? Because I want you. So obviously Apollonia is sitting at this table with Morris and, you know, having a conversation with him. But she looking at Prince because she just done came back from Lake Minnetonka or not Lake Minnetonka with him. And they done kissed and all this shit. So he's in his feelings. She's in her feelings. Um... And uh, she's sitting at the table with a little tear rolling down her face, watching him perform the beautiful ones. It's a real beautiful moment. Okay, so here comes another awkward uh, kid and Apollonia interaction. So after the performance, she waits um, outside for him. 
And he's like, all right, well, we got to go to your place. And she was like, well, we can't go to my place. We got to go to your place. So they go to his house. His parents are making out. And so they're, she's watching his parents through the window. And she's like, are those your folks? And he's like, yeah, freak show. Like, they're not, they're just like making out. And so then they go to his little area and they go in through the window, like the back window. So I guess so he doesn't have to walk through the house. They go in. He goes to like um, another room real quick. So she's back there. She turns on some music and it's like a drum and it's like this moaning noise, this woman that's like moaning. And you can see all over his room, there's like all of these like masks that look like mime masks or like clown masks, porcelain um, and like just weird figurines, weird lamps around the room. He comes back in and he's doing like weird things in front of her face with his hands. And then she's like, who's the lucky girl on the tape? And he goes, she's crying. It's backwards. It makes me kind of sad when I listen to it. It kind of sounds like she's laughing. And then he said, she says, do you treat all your women like that? And then he says, I don't have anybody right now. <laughs> and then she touches his chest and goes, King Kong, I guess because his chest is hairy. And he says, stop. And then he touches her chest and she goes, no. And then they start making out. And then they go to the bed and they don't have sex, but they do this weird thing where like she like puts her leg up and rolls over so that he's like behind her and he just kind of like makes out with her from behind her and sort of gestures at touching her crotch, but doesn't really do it. So, um, and that happens for like, I don't know, like three or four, five minutes. It's um, another preciously awkward encounter by these two people. We love every awkward encounter they have with each other. So the next day, um, he goes to drop her off at a random location. Um, they start kissing, and then he asks her if he's going to see her later. And she's like, well, where are you going to be? And he's like, why? And <laughs> so then she's like, well, I have something to do first. And he's like, well, you know, just come by my house later. So she's like, okay. So she's getting ready to go in uh, into the pawn shop and Morris sees her. She ends up talking to Morris and he's like, hey girl, you want to be in this band? And she's like, um, the kid finna help me. So I don't even need your help. And he was like, um, the kid ain't never done nothing for nobody except for himself. And she was like, um, I got things to do. Bye. So she goes to walk off. And so Jerome was like, what you finna do? So he gets out, chases her down. He was like, look, I look, I'm just trying to help you out. I know you can use the break. I could use a break too. This could help work out for both of us. And she was like, look, this is just business. And he was like, look, you could figure out what you want to do. Just come by and see what the, what I got going on. And she was like, help me find a pawn shop because I think I'm going to buy a guitar. Okay, so here, okay. So back at the house, um, the kid is downstairs just listening to the track that the girls made, trying to figure out what he thinking about it. All of a sudden, he hears his parents fighting upstairs, and he turns up the music so he can kind of block it out. They bring the fight to his room. They literally come in his room fighting, and she's saying, you don't let me go nowhere. You don't let me have any fun. You don't let me have any fun. And he's like, don't I keep the lights on? What's the matter with this house? And then he slaps her in the face. So 
Now they all in the room and she's like, you don't let me do nothing. You don't let me have any fun. And he was like, I could make you happy if you just believed in me. I would die for you and leaves the room. This whole dramatic thing happens in this small little room the size of a closet. That's the kid's room. So his mama crying on his bed. I guess they have an emotional moment. Well, he ends up going to sleep, wakes up. Now, this is something that's kind of always bothered me, but also it's a a high point of the film for me personally so a thing that like a very memorable part of the film so I try to block out the fact that there's no continuity here so <clears throat> he goes to sleep he wakes up and when he wakes up um he hears like a knock at the window and of course it's Apollonia and she's coming in and she has a box now when he wakes up he has on one hoop earring the whole rest of the movie, he has not had on any earrings that I have seen. But in this particular scene, he has on one hoop earring, okay? He wakes up, lets her in the room. And he's like, what is this? So she hands him this box. It's the guitar that he was looking at in the window when he stole her banquet. <laughs> um, so he sees the guitar and he's like, oh no, oh no, oh. So he's got this white guitar now. He's super excited. So I guess now, because she did this for him, this is his girlfriend now. So he takes off this one hoop earring that he has not been wearing for the rest of the movie, takes off this one hoop earring and gives it to her to put on so that now this signifies that she's his girlfriend. But I have not seen this hoop earring. So it's not like it's a like, you know, like dudes will have like their like their their a necklace or like a the letterman jacket that they wear all the time. Like something that signifies like, oh, and it's and it's not like he was like, oh, I'm going to give you this earring that I have on my dresser. Like, oh, here's an earring that I wear often. He just woke up with the earring on, but he did not go to sleep with the earring on unless he just put the earring on and went to sleep. Anyway, he wakes, he gives her the earring. She takes her earring that she had on and just throws it to the ground somewhere. So like now she had matching earrings. One of the earrings that she had is gone on the floor so she could put on his earring. She's super excited. Yay. And so after this like very sweet exchange of the guitar and the earring, she says, I'm going to join Morris's group. And he says, what? And she says, I'm going to join Morris's group. And this man reaches his arm back to South Africa and slaps the shit out of this woman, just slaps her into a wall. They just had the sweetest gift exchange. They have just signified that like, this is an official relationship. She is simply telling him, I got a job. I got a job, babe. And he slaps her in the face. And then he immediately goes, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. But you don't know how Morris is. Like, he's a, like, basically, he's, do you know what he wants from you? She looks at him and goes, you jealous? And then she runs out the window. So they had a very nice interaction that went, at the most, five minutes. Um between her giving him the guitar, him giving her an earring, and him slapping her in the face and her leaving. 
So the next day, the kid goes to the club and all the guys are there. Wendy and Lisa are not there. He's like, where are Wendy and Lisa? They haven't gotten there yet. Well, obviously, they're still pissed about the whole song thing. So um, he's like angrily playing. And the dude that the bouncer at the club comes and says, like, Billy, the boss wants to talk to you. And he's like, well, tell him I'm rehearsing. He's like, "Uh uh-uh. He wants to talk to you now. Like, now, now. He comes back there, Billy's like, hey, just FYI, like, you got something going on with your band? And he was like, no. He was like, okay, well, okay, I don't care. Well, I have, um, Morris came to me, and he has a new band, a girl band called Apollonia 6. You know anything about them? And the kid was like, no. He's like, okay, well, FYI, um, if I take them, I have four bands. I don't need four groups. I only need three. So, I don't know if you know what that means, but you need to figure out your life. And, um... So then we get when doves cry. So basically, Billy goes, what would you do if you were in my position? And then it just, it comes in and then we get like a very long line. The, the, basically the whole song plays. And we get like different clips from the movie that we've already seen. Um, and this is not the music video. Like if you go and watch the when doves cry music video, this is not the music video. This is just the, the movie's like montage scene we see different scenes of him with apollonia different scenes of his parents scenes of him riding on his motorcycle in different locations around uh minneapolis um it's a real you know it looks like a music video but it is just and they play the whole song the whole thing he gets home his mom is sitting outside on the curb and he's like, Mom, what's going on? And she's just like, Ugh, God, your dad. So she go, he goes in the house. This is one of my favorite parts of the movie. He, and it's so obscure. But he runs in the house. And he's like, where are you? Where are you? And he goes, answer me, motherfucker. And then he does a full 360 spin. But like, it's Prince. So it looks just like he just spun around the way somebody would like turn their head to just turn and look in another direction. But he makes a full 360 spin of his full body look so smooth, but it's so unnecessary. <laughs> I wish I could find a clip of it that they wouldn't take down because like they are so strict about their stuff. I'm going to see if maybe I can do find a clip of it that I can just just that one part put on Instagram because it's one of the funniest parts of the movie. But he's looking for his dad. All of a sudden, he hears some music playing from the basement. And it's uh, he goes downstairs and his dad is on the piano playing a very beautiful piano piece. And he goes, did you write that? And his dad goes, yeah, of course I wrote it. And he was like, man, I'd love to see some of the music that you write. You know what I'm saying? And his dad was like, yo, I don't write my shit down. I ain't like you. You know what I'm saying? And um, so um, he's like, the kid goes, I saw the mom outside. She looks pretty beaten up. Any idea how she got that way? And he looks at him. I, this scene, the acting, I love the acting because it's so simple but dramatic it is it's hard to describe it's like everything is in the face but like there's no emotion in the voice but anyway his dad goes like you got a girlfriend and um the kid's like I mean yeah and he goes you gonna get married he says I don't know and his dad said never get married 
that shit, it's like, damn, like, I thought we were having a moment, and you just out here talking shit about my mom again. So we are back at the club. Um, the scene transitions uh, right into Computer Blue, um, a song off the soundtrack, um, because the song that Francis L is playing is a computer, um, is, is a piano uh, transposition of the uh, guitar line from the second part breakdown of Computer Blue. So it transitions into Computer Blue and we go to the club and we see um, them performing. Now, uh, print, uh, the kid has on no shirt. He is fully oiled up. He has lace covering his eyes um, and uh, really tight black pants. Um, he looks amazing, of course, um, in full Prince form. And he's giving a the performance of his life. Now, um, this is one of those performances that they consider weird or the kid doing things that he only likes and other people don't really like it. Another one of those things where I'm like, I don't know who wouldn't like this, but also like, you know, I understand it's for the plot of the film. But he's playing Computer Blue. Apollonia shows up. Morris uh, feels that they should be doing publicity, a little bit of pub, because they're going to be performing soon. Apollonia 6 will be um, making their debut. So they're at the club to kind of get some eyes on them. Well, the kid spots are coming in with Morris, of course, and he's upset. And so he transitions into doing uh, Darling Nikki now. If you are not familiar with Darling Nikki, Darling Nikki is a song that is near and dear and close to my heart. I have Darling Nikki tattooed on my back um, because I don't know, for me, I don't know if it's a chicken egg thing. I feel very close to the lyrics of the song. I don't know if the song did it to me or if I just happened to be um, very um, similar to uh, this girl that's described in these lyrics, but Basically, the song is about a woman who is uh, very sexually free and just be out here, you know, doing what she do. Um, now, the it sort of alludes to uh, kind of a prostitution kind of thing. You know, I looked all over and all I found was her phone number on the stairs. She said, thank you for a funky time. Call me up whenever you want to grind. Um, as if it's just like a one and done thing for her. Now, obviously, Apollonia has very strong feelings for the kid. And so hearing him sing this song that basically sounds like he's saying, oh, she just be out here messing with anybody any day. Um, her feelings were hurt. And he's like sort of taunting her. Um, if you hear the song, there's a part where he goes, oh, come back, Nikki, come back. And she's like, during the film, she's run off crying because she's so disappointed. And of, and uh, Morris is like, that was dirty what you did, kid. Like, why would you do that? Why would you, you know, make her feel bad like that? Because clearly he out here hammering out his personal shit on stage. So um, he goes back in the back. He is slamming things around. He is slamming his own body around. He sits down, stands back up. He's pacing around. Billy comes in the back like, what the fuck was that? And he's like, yo, get what do you want? Billy's like, yo, you, the stage is not your place for your personal shit. And the kid goes, that's life, man. And Billy goes, life my ass, motherfucker. This is a business. And, but then he's like, just like your old man, you out here wasting your talents, but like father, like son. And the kid is like, lay off that shit, man. And he's like, yo, nobody's digging your music but you. That's fucked up. 
Jerome comes back there and he's like, yo, what you just did was messed up. Morris don't like it and I don't like it either. Now, I don't know why Jerome think that the kid give any shits about what Morris or him like, but he came back there and was like, yo, we ain't like that shit you just did. That was fucked up. Now, I don't know how fucked up it is that, you know, he was on stage basically singing a song. He didn't like name drop her. He didn't say anything about her. He just basically hurt her feelings. But I mean... Apparently, everybody's up in arms because he up here hurting people's feelings on stage, child. Well, after expressing his disappointment, Jerome gives uh, the kid tickets to the show to see Apollonia 6 the next night. Now, they're not premiering at First Avenue. It's their exhibition show at The Taste. And Billy is going to come and see them at The Taste and see how they do. Well, they do... I mean, they they do they do okay, I guess. For movie standards, they seem to do okay. I have thoughts, but whatever. Um, well, he the kid comes, and Apollonia spots him in the crowd. He's got on his sunglasses, kind of just staring, and she points out that she has on the hoop earrings. So she is still totally here for him, one hundred percent. You know. Well, after the show, she goes to leave with Morris. Morris has given Jerome the night off and she's asking why and Jerome kind of opens his coat and thrusts his crotch a couple times and makes ah, ah, noises, you know, just kind of being funny. He's a funny guy. She's laughing. They're both drunk. Um, And it's clear that Jerome is going to, I mean, that Morris is going to try to put the moves on her and she is being either naive or she's just kind of going to try to laugh her way out of it. Well, either way. Off in the distance, they can hear a motor revving. A motorcycle comes and knocks Morris into a pile of trash. Apollonia runs away, which is, this is the weird, this is the weird part. Okay, so she is drunk. She has on the earring. She saw him in the crowd and said, look, I have on the earring. So she's obviously excited that he's there. But then he rides up on his motorcycle, knocks Morris into the trash can. She runs away. Then he rides up, tells her to get on the bike. She looks conflicted for a moment. She gets on the bike again. I mean, she goes ahead and gets on the bike and they ride off. They ride to like this random overpass and they get off and they just start kissing each other, right? Um, Or he kisses her and they're kissing for a minute. And then I guess he maybe tries to grope her or do something and she pushes him off and... Um, she steps back and then pulls out a flask and takes a sip from it. He's irritated that she's drinking and she says, you can't tell me what to do. He knocks the flask out of her hand. She hits him. He knocks her down, like mushes her face and knocks her down onto the ground and gets ready to slap her. And she looks at him and is like, go ahead, do it, do it. Well, of course he doesn't. She jumps up, takes the earring off throws it on the ground and leaves. Well, he looks so sad. He's just looking at the earring like, oh, I didn't know she was going to do that. This is the most complicated four days of a five days of a relationship I've ever seen in my life. Well, now their performance went well. So now he's not only worried about the fact that he lost his girlfriend, but like he got to do good tomorrow night in this performance. Otherwise, he's not going to have his place at First Avenue anymore. Well, he gets home. 
the house is wrecked. Everything is broken. There's so much broken stuff. And he's just kind of like looking through. He don't even yell because he's just looking around like, what is going on? He sees that the basement door is open, goes towards the basement, turns on the light. Bam. Francis L. has shot himself in the head to attempt suicide. So the police are trying to talk to the kid. His mama is going upstairs crying. They done carried Francis L. out. They're asking him all these questions. Once everybody finally leaves and he's alone, he's his mind is racing. He's thinking about his dad yelling. He's thinking about, he's looking at the chalk line that is just sitting on the ground because apparently they just like drew a chalk line around his body um, and then left. And then <laughs> just left it there. Um, didn't ask him to leave, didn't ask him to come down to the station, didn't ask him to, he just left him next to the chalk line in the basement. He starts going crazy thinking he's seeing himself hanging himself. Um, he thinks he sees himself hanging from like the ceiling. And so he starts just hitting things, throwing things around, having a fit. Ah! He makes that noise, um, which kind of like takes away from the experience just a tiny bit. But as he's like freaking out and tearing stuff apart, he realizes he's tearing through sheet music and the sheet music says Francis L. So his dad, who told him, I don't write my music down. I'm not like you. He's a little bit more like him than we all thought. And he does have his sheet music written down. Well, um, he sees us, the kid sees us. He ends up falling asleep from exhaustion or whatever. He falls asleep on the floor in the basement and he wakes up without no shirt on. I don't know how it happens, but he gets up, decides to start cleaning up some of the music, cleans up some of the stuff in the basement, and he starts practicing playing Wendy and Lisa's song on the piano. Well, this is the night where, you know, this is all or nothing at the club. He got to do what he got to do or he's not going to have a job no more. So go to the club. The time is performing before him, and they perform the bird. Wow! Hallelujah! Oh! Now it does not escape me that in this show, in this film, they performed two songs: "Jungle Love" and "The Bird," both of which um, have to do with animals. I don't know what the time has with animals. I don't know what Morris Day has with animals, but. He makes a lot of animal noises in this film, whereas a lot of animal prints as well. Well, after the performance, they are going downstairs and they're making fun of the revolution. And they're like, yeah, fuck the revolution. Like who? They're clearly not going to work here anymore. And they, <laughs> when they're walking down, they start mocking them, singing, let's go crazy. And they're like, let's get crazy. Let's get nice. <laughs> Which is kind of funny a little bit, but you know, Everybody's in a solemn mood because clearly the kid's father just unalived himself. And everybody knows this. And so they walk past the room. Morris comes back, looks at the kid and says, how's the family? Everybody laughs and they keep walking. But then Morris stops like he's really, he really feels bad for saying that. And it's like, sir, you didn't have to say that. You could have just kept walking. You had already walked past the room. You did not have to come back and do that. But then he looked like, oh, I can't believe I just did that. Like, a boy. Anyway, so, you know, they're about to go on and perform the revolution because now it's their time. And this is pretty much the kid's last chance. So this is the part where I get the sniffles. 
because I cry um, at this part every time. So he goes up on stage and he says, you know, this is dedicated to my father, Francis L. Um, this is a song by the girls in the band, Wendy and Lisa. So Wendy and Lisa had no idea that this was the song that they were doing. I don't understand how you could just go up on stage and like do a song and never have rehearsed it with the band ever in your life. But, you know, this is a movie. It's great. So he says, this is a song by Wendy and Lisa. So they start to play Purple Rain. And the place is completely quiet, except for them performing, of course. And the one thing that I was... So I'm sitting here crying because, number one, I'm listening to the lyrics. And the lyrics are hitting me really hard for some reason. Um, but the thing that kind of made me laugh for a second was there's a part where he says, if anybody know what I'm talking about, put your hands up. And the thing is purple rain, like the idea, purple rain has always been like an elusive sort of like idea. Like no one really knows what purple rain is about. Like the verses of purple rain clearly are about, um, a relationship that's ended or like a person that wanted to be with somebody and it just didn't work. But then the last verse, he's like, you want a leader, but you can't make up your mind. Let me guide you to the purple. Like there's all these different ideas of what it could be about. We don't really know. But then he says, if you know what I'm talking about, put your hands up. And all these people in this movie put their hands up. And I'm like, I know they don't know. They have no idea. The, the, the sheer idea that the, for the rest of the film, they've been like, no one knows what you are singing about, except for you. You are singing about these elusive things. No one understands your music, but yourself. And then he comes up here and sings purple rain and all of a sudden everybody's like we get it now he so he goes up he does purple rain they you know they show the whole performance it's a beautiful performance he's got on like the most classic of prince outfits whenever you think of the prince outfit it's the fluffy super fluffy um shirt with the fluffs in the front and like the silk purple jacket that's got the ruffles the white ruffles coming out of the sleeve and it's got the white handkerchief and he's got on the the purple pants and the very it's the quintessential prince uniform if you were to say hey what are what out do you think of when you think of Prince? This would be the first one, and the second one would be the one with the cutout butt cheeks from the uh, the MTV Music Awards that one year. But uh, so he performs Purple Rain, beautiful moment. He runs in the back, thinking. I guess he thinks like it was bad. I don't know how he thought that because everybody's like clapping and cheering. So he leaves the stage. He runs in the back, thinking. I guess that he did a horrible performance and that he's just gonna have to leave. And he then all of a sudden he hears everyone cheering. He comes back out of the dressing room, and um, everybody's cheering in the hallways. People are nodding at him, patting him on the back. He's really excited. Um, Apollonia is at the end of the hallway, and she says, yeah. She, like, just nods and says, yeah, and she's, like, crying. Um, and then he goes back up on stage, 
um, after that, and everybody's cheering, and then he performs um, I Would Die For You, and then performs Baby I'm a Star right afterwards in medley format. So apparently the revolution did a really good job. Um, now Apollonia 6 will probably not have a job. Um, also, Francis L. is okay. He's he's not, he's not unalive. He's in the hospital, and his wife is by his side, um, Apollonia. Now, I think he threw the earring back to Apollonia, so now she's got the earring back um all is well with the world and then one of the one of my favorite things that I have tried to find some kind of media or something on the last second or the last like five seconds of the film before it goes to the credits it plays the end of Baby I'm a Star and then it goes do do and then it plays this like three seconds that's I think uh like a, a a half a second or like a quarter second of every song from the soundtrack because it's just like this series of like noises um but I recognize every single noise as a as a noise from the soundtrack but it's just all mushed together into like three seconds and I need to find it somewhere because it drives me crazy every time I tell someone that it that it it's that most people that I talk to aren't really Purple Rain fans like I am anyway so they probably haven't wouldn't even know um but that 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 like last three to four seconds it it's my favorite thing and it drives me insane but that that's how the movie ends okay so I know that we're already uh quite long but give me just like 10 more minutes and I promise we'll be done <laughs> so we owned the Purple Rain album on vinyl when I was a kid um, it was one of my favorite vinyls. Um, I actually was in this group that danced to a Prince song. It was like a, a program through the Joffrey Ballet of Chicago where we danced to Prince music when I was like in sixth grade. And um, I fell in love with him then. And um, my... Prince Prince has just like been in my life for a very long time has a very special place in my life has shown up in my life for strange reasons and has caused strange things to happen that I won't get into so this movie just has a really special place in my heart when uh he passed away I got so many phone calls that day because a lot of people knew how hurt I was um, I had to step outside of my job to cry. My boss at the time, who knew I loved Prince, um, when she found out, she called me on my work phone from her office and was like, this isn't true. This can't be true. Um, because they had had like an issue where they, a couple months prior, around the time where Do David Bowie passed, they had said they thought that he, Prince had passed as well. And he was fine. And then this happened on April 21st, 2016. Um, I was living in Seattle at the time and I remember going outside and I was crying and someone walked up to me and literally looked at me and said, Prince. And I said, yeah. And he said, I know. And he gave me like a little hug and I, it's, it was Seattle and it rains constantly in Seattle, but I remember it rained that day. And when the, uh, rainbow came out, the rainbow looked really purple.
Like it looked extremely purple. And I know that Prince is not from Seattle, um, but uh, there was there's just something about his energy that kind of like lived there. A lot of people were hurt by it. So um, I always choose to celebrate him today. Um, but as far as this movie goes, I love this movie because I love Prince. I love the music. I love the soundtrack. But it has the shittiest message. I just got to talk about this real quick because I love Prince so much. And I I, I adore this film. And I any chance I get, I will watch it. But at the end of this film, Francis L. has not changed. And his wife is still by his side in the hospital. The kid has not really changed either. He hasn't done anything to show that he changed. The most that he did to show that he changed was that he played Wendy and Lisa's song that day. But he didn't change the way he was interacting with Apollonia. He didn't change the way he was interacting with anything. The only thing that happened in both cases with Francis L., and the kid is that something bad happened to them and the women that loved them took pity on them and decided to stay with them because of it. It is unfortunate that you know, this is such a fun movie to watch. It does have like very funny moments. The music, of course, is amazing. Like the acting is good the acting is good there are a lot of moments that leave a lot to be desired but there are a lot of moments that feel strong that feel not overacted a lot of times it looked it felt like they chose to underact versus overact which i really appreciated but the main idea of this film is these two men very shitty men were trying to control these women that they loved and there was no indication of a change made. The only thing that happened was that something bad happened to them and people felt bad for them. And so they got to continue doing whatever they were doing because people felt bad for them. There might be, there. obviously we don't get to see like a after the movie, this is what the kid ended up being like. This is what Francis L ended up being like. But for all intents and purposes, we didn't see a change in either one of them. And those women decided to stay with them because they love them and because they felt bad and that's a really shitty message to have for a film especially such a fun film um but this film did win um a, an academy award for best uh, original score for motion picture for the song purple rain the song purple rain won a bunch of awards the album knocked um bruce springsteen's born in the usa off of the number one spot and um stayed uh uh at the top of the billboard charts i think for 24 weeks 25 weeks and um it won two grammys as well um, tons of, uh, other awards as well. And it was the actual first appearance of the revolution as we know them. Um, in the beginning, I named the original members of the revolution. The revolution that we saw in the film were Wendy, um, Brown, Lisa, Matt, Dr. Fink, you know, and Bobby Z. 
Um, after this, uh, Prince went on to make Under the Cherry Moon and Graffiti Bridge, which were not as popular, but were still pretty popular. And, uh, one of my favorite fun facts about, uh, Prince, the original, the first Batman, well, not the first Batman film. Oh, there's been so many Batman films, but Michael Keaton's Batman that came out in the 80s, that whole soundtrack was... Prince. It was a Prince album. And if you notice the Purple Rain soundtrack as well, like in the film, you have songs by The Time, you have songs by Apollonia 6, um, Modern Air um, is played as well. And But the soundtrack itself is only Prince. If you wanted to hear those songs, you needed to go to those artists' albums to hear those songs. Um, the Purple Rain soundtrack, only Prince. Batman soundtrack, only Prince. Graffiti Bridge, only Prince. Um, this was also a time when Prince was literally putting out an album every year, and you could count on having at least one Prince album. And, but this one obviously stands the test of time. Uh, the movie is sort of campy. I know that it was meant to be a serious endeavor, and I appreciate it in a serious way, but, I mean, it's Purple Rain. It, the when if you when you tell people oh purple rain it's you know the the silk purple jacket the fluffy shirt the curly hair the mustache um the boots and tight pants that's the image of purple rain you don't get this image of like this wonderful acting job that these people did even though they did a good job it has its place in pop culture it's one of my favorite films and more than anything, I miss Prince Rogers Nelson, and I appreciate him for putting out this piece of work, um, for pushing his label to create this work, because it stands the test of time as one of the best musicals probably ever made, especially concert musicals, the number one by far, other than maybe Monterey Pop and Woodstock, but those even are, those are like, you know, the footage is, is more documentary style but as far as a film that's like a concert film this is a1 plus top notch um so if you guys have hbo max um purple rain is currently on there um i own it so but it is on hbo so if you have hbo please go and watch it please uh go listen to the soundtrack um they finally put his catalog on spotify which is really exciting um they have the extended purple rain soundtrack and the regular one i would recommend listening to both of course if you like prince and listen to some of his other catalog as well it's it's great. He's a wonderful musician. A lot of his albums, um, he played most of the instruments in studio himself and then basically hired a band to play live when he would go on tour or when he would go to perform other places. But he know, knew how to play, I believe, 42 instruments. Very talented man, um, as you can see from the film um, and from the music that he wrote. I love that guy. R.I.P. to the... Um, amazing Prince Rogers Nelson. And um, that is all the time that we have for today. Next week is episode 25. And we are going to be covering one of the most famous films ever made. It's going to be two parts. And there will be another film in between that if you know the date that that 
will come out or around the date that it will come out, you could probably guess what movie that'll be. But it will be one of the greatest and most well-known films ever made, part one. Another movie that has to do with the date, part, and and then part two of the most well-known film of all time. So the next three weeks will be a pretty busy three weeks. Um, but as always, um, I appreciate you guys for listening. I cannot believe that we are almost at episode 25. This is insane. And I just hope to get better. I'm hoping to change my logo soon. I'm hoping to get a couple of cool things going for the podcast. But uh, until then, please follow the podcast on whatever platform that you use and rate wherever available. Check out the Life Pod Instagram. Follow me on Twitter at film underscore Nikki. And honestly, let me tell you something. Um, if you are not following me on Twitter, you are missing out because I'm a post and delete queen. Okay. I will post some stuff for 20 minutes and delete it. I will post for an hour and delete. I'll post it for a week and delete. And there are some juicy, fun little tweets that are going out and getting deleted that y'all do not see. If you just go to my Instagram to look at it. I mean, if you go to my Twitter, like once a month to look at it, or if you've never been there. So highly recommend it. But Follow me on Twitter at film underscore Nikki and please send any collab requests, advice, movie recommendations, or general greetings to here's looking podcast at gmail.com. That's H E R E S L O O K I N P O D C A S T at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's been a great whiskey weed stee watch Wednesday. I hope you guys have a wonderful week. I hope you guys don't do too much, but do just enough. Um, please relax, please enjoy yourselves, enjoy time to yourself, enjoy your friends, enjoy your family, enjoy life, please. And if I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Cheers. <laughs>